downtown Richmond. And it's just amazing what they do. His stories are just unbelievable. And, uh, and so I'm excited about him coming this morning to share with you guys. Uh, he's one of those guys that, man, when I met him and I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years, um, I look forward to every opportunity I get to spend with him. Uh, he's one of those guys where, and, and I've only noticed this in just a couple of people that I've met, but he's one of those guys, man, that you can just tell that, that he is just, the Holy Spirit is in him. I mean, I know the Holy Spirit's in all of us, you know what I'm saying? I know that. But, like, you just, you, you see it, you know what I'm saying? It's just unbelievable how he's led by the Spirit. Uh, man, he lives a gospel-centered life, uh, and I just, I'm looking for, he's got a good grasp on that. And so I always look forward to talking with him. But his name is Jeremy Chambers. I'm going to ask Jeremy to come on up here. You guys give Jeremy a hand. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Aaron. So, uh, yeah, you know, let me just say, there's, there's actually a small group of people in Richmond that most of you have never met who pray for you regularly. So it's cool for me to be here. It's uh, part of our missional community. This church is on our list of churches that we pray for in the, the greater Richmond area. So it's really neat to be here looking at your faces and think you are reaching. And so I'm just extremely excited to be here and... Um, I, I just have to say thank, thanks for the introduction. You know, I, I had the opportunity to go down to Savannah, Georgia with Aaron and uh, Noah and Paul and Arthur. And let me just say, you guys don't take for granted the blessing that you have in these men. These are, these are godly men that love you. I've, I've been able to sit down and listen to them pray for this church. Um, when I, was, I lived in Chicago for a while, and I was a part of a church about this size, and I saw the effects of a, I hate to say it, but a, a bad elder board. Elders who didn't really love the people, they just loved prestige, and they loved money, and they tore apart a church through their own sinfulness. And for me to go down to, to Georgia and hang out with some of the elders and Aaron and and get to know these guys. And, and I've interacted with them in, in other uh, environments. I've, I've seen this consistency that they really love the Lord. And they really love the church. And they really want to see the church grow. Their heart for you is huge. Don't take that for, for granted. You know, sometimes you don't know how good a thing is until you, you move on or you lose it. Um, you're at a church where you're very loved. Um, and so really, that's not part of the message. That's just a... And I wasn't paid to say that either. So, <laughs> I just have to say it because, I mean, seriously, I've been in the situation and I've looked around and been like, you know, I, I interact with people every day who hate the church because the church hurt them. And so I'm just saying, don't take it for granted that you're in a church where you are loved. And if you don't feel loved, talk to the elders Reach out to somebody. Make sure that you're, you're being part of the body here because this is a great place. Um, so before I get into the message, let me just um, go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness, your graciousness, your love. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Thank you for communion. Thank you that, wow, we need you so much. 
and your body was broken and your blood was poured out as a sacrifice in our place so that we can have eternal life, so that we can be welcomed into your family, so that we're no longer uh, an orphan, but now we are sons and daughters. We praise you. We need you so much, and we need you right now. Lord, don't let this just be another time where somebody's up in front of a group of people talking. But I pray that in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, your word will move and your truth will resound in our hearts. You'll open our eyes and our ears that we might see the glorious, wonderful things in your word. Father, show us how much you love us and equip us right now that we might go and love others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I, I saw that out there on the, uh, the, the purpose statement above the door when you come in here. If you haven't noticed it, go out after the service and, and read it because that's painted up there for a good reason. Uh, it declares the purpose and vision of this church. And one of the things it says there is that part of the purpose is to equip the church to share the gospel. So... What I'm about to do is a little bit more of a teaching. It's not really a sermon per se, but this is a time that should result in you being equipped to share good news with people. Really good news. And we've heard the good news. We know the good news. We just uh, took communion, which is really good news, right? That sacrifice means, the sacrifice of the cross means that we can be saved. We can have life. We can be brought into a family And so I really want to exhort you this morning uh, that you will take steps towards communicating that message with others. And you actually have a lot of great ways, um, and we'll we'll get into that. But I want to encourage you in in the realm of hospitality. Think about hospitality for a moment. How would you define it? There's a lot of different maybe definitions out there. But hospitality, um, the, uh, this is just my little working definition. It probably needs improvement, but it's the act and art of welcoming someone into a space. And not, a, not necessarily welcoming them into a physical place, that's what we normally think, but it's welcoming them into somewhere. Hospitality is this way of, of saying, you're welcome here. You were out there, but, but come in. You can bring someone into your life. You can bring someone into your house. You can bring someone into your church. You can be in a place you've never been and still be hospitable. If you're welcoming and inviting someone along, you're saying, I want you where I am. That's a beautiful thing that communicates on so many levels. It says, you're valuable, you're loved, and I want you where I am. Come come be here. Hospitality. I believe... Hospitality is a key part of the mission of God. In fact, I think he made it quite evident throughout the entirety of Scripture. So I want to give you a little bit of this biblical theology of hospitality today. Um, Think about it like this. Hospitality, again, the act and art of welcoming someone into a space, is part of God's mission in this world And it should be part of our mission. In a biblical sense, 
hospitality is not something that's just an act, but it's, it's not something that can be done just on our own willpower alone, but it's something that is done as a result of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. It's a result of him first showing hospitality to us so that we can show hospitality to others. This is actually the biblical pattern. We see uh, in, in 1 John 3, it says, uh, we love because he first loved us. So we know that God demonstrated love first, that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God initiated the first tremendous act of love. And it's because of the love that he has shown to us that we can then go and love others. This is huge. You know, so often you try to love in your own power, and you realize, I can't love. I mean, I hang out with people in Richmond a lot who are not the nicest sort of people. Some of them are are pretty dirty, smelly. Some of them are, are pretty mean. Some of them, and this one girl, I saw her just the other day, her life is, is 100% surrounded and, and it's centered on hatred. She lives to hate. And she's so angry and she's so hurt and she's so bitter. And I'm always saying, how can we be hospitable to someone like that? She's not fun to be around. She's so mean, so angry. But we're seeing what the Lord can do in her. And we're, we're willing to say to her, hey, come be where we are. We value you. We want to love you. He first loved me when I was unlovable. He loved you when you were unlovable. So, so can we love someone else when they're unlovable? This is this idea, hospitality, bringing someone in. And really, it's not done on our own power. Um, we couldn't love this, this particular individual and, and some of the others that we're reaching out to unless Christ had first transformed us through the power of the gospel. This is good news. His love has transformed us. It's, it's invigorated our lives. It's given us purpose. And because his love is so meaningful to us, we then are able to go out and love those who may be unlovable. And maybe you don't have to go out. Maybe it's someone in your family who's unlovable. Maybe it's, it, maybe it's someone close to you. Maybe it's someone in this room that you just, oh, that, I can't stand that person Well, hopefully today you start to rethink this and say, how can I mature? How can I love someone else? I grew up in the church. I watched people who, and many of you have heard me talk before. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I watched people who were 20, 30, 40 years in the church, many years longer than I had been, and they never learned the maturity to just love people. How could they be in their 50s, 60s, 70s and still be a baby spiritually? They never got over themselves. They were still so self-absorbed. They never learned to just love. And so I'm exhorting you. And and maybe you're sitting there and you're like, you know, that's, that's me. It's been years. I just need to take a step forward and start loving people. Hopefully, you'll get some practical steps today about how you can do that. But before we get into that, Let me just reiterate. We love because he first loved us. This is the pattern. We forgive. Whenever you're told to forgive in Scripture, there's some key pattern. Jesus mentions it. 
Paul mentions it, but when they mention forgiveness, they don't just say, forgive because you'll feel better. Even though that's true, right? When you forgive, a burden's lifted off. Uh, forgive because there's physiological benefits for forgiveness, right? Um, no, they actually say forgive because Christ forgave you. We forgive because we are forgiven. And if you don't realize that, you need to re-engage the gospel. We love because we were first loved. We walk in purity because he represents holiness and purity to us. We walk in peace because he is the prince of peace. We walk in holiness because he is holy. In, in Leviticus, there's this theme in the whole book of Leviticus. He keeps saying, be holy for I am holy. So he's not saying, be holy on your own power. He's saying, be holy because I am holy. Know him. And out of that, holiness flows. So if we're going to love, if we're going to forgive, if we're going to be holy, if we're going to walk in peace, if we're going to walk in all these things, we need to first know the source. We need to be connected to him. It starts in knowing, knowing and receiving who he is into your life, living that out, and allowing others then to be transformed by the power of the Spirit. And again, this can't be done on your own strength. It's a gift of God. It's a result of him at, at work in you. We're told to be followers of Jesus. A disciple is one who, who imitates another, who, who looks to that one that you're imitating. And, and it, the, the disciple is constantly saying, how can I be like that? How does that person think? Discipleship is living out the life of Christ and doing the things that Christ would do in the way he would do it and for the same reasons he would do it. That's kind of a key distinction there. We can all do good things for a whole host of bad reasons. We all know the bad examples. But why did Jesus do the good things that he did? Why did he love people? When you start to unpack that, you'll start to live more with his heart motivations to see the image of God in a person and cultivate it. To see who a person is and see who they can be and love them with no requirement back. They, they may not be able to give you anything. This, this girl I mentioned, uh, and I don't say her name publicly because who knows, someone here may know her. Um, but I have to do it with all my stories. We have all these, you know, if I was in another country, maybe I could say their names publicly. But um, I never know where I'm going. It's like someone here may be related to her. Um, but she, she's so atheistic, and she describes herself as a, a belligerent atheist. And, um, and yet, I'm looking, we look at her, and we're like, the, the image of God is in her. And it's being quenched by all this evil. But there's something beautiful that we are hoping for, and we're waiting, and we're praying that our acts of love and the seeds that we're sowing will one day result in the powerful work of the Holy Spirit transforming her heart as she will receive Jesus and know him as a savior. But we all started in a place that was kind of ugly. So we imitate God. We, we learn what it means to be followers. And that means you got to really get in, your wor in the word, right? Like, 
study the book of Acts, study like the Gospels, look at how Jesus lived, look at how the early church thrived, get into this, right? Like, I would encourage you, if you, you know, like, if, if you haven't read through at least one of the Gospels, just kind of get into it and ask different questions. Say, how can I live like Jesus? Ask questions like, what did Jesus really care about? Why did he act this way with this person, but then he acted a totally different way with a different person? And, and, and just really be a student of Jesus, because that's kind of what we're called to do. Study him, learn who he is, follow him. Um, I think when we imitate God, our good deeds will be more powerful, potent, and effective because they are rooted in God's initiation of goodness to us. Let me kind of repeat that. Uh, when we imitate God, our good needs will be our good our good needs. Yeah, um, our good deeds will be more powerful, potent, and effective when they are rooted in God's initiation of goodness to us. So God's doing the goodness first, and we're going, "Whoa, this is awesome! Re- I'm receiving this. This is goodness from God. Salvation. I was an orphan, and now I'm a child." This is awesome. I'm forgiven. All that junk, it's gone. I'm new. I'm new. He is good to me. And now I'm going to go do good things because he first did it in me. He he initiated this good work. I'm going to go serve people, not out of some sense of moralism or religion or or some Pharisee sort of mindset, but I'm going to serve because he first reached out and impacted me. We see three uh, huge examples of hospitality in Scripture. Okay, you, you've read many of you. You've read the whole Bible. You've heard the stories. You grew up in the church. You know these 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 typical stories, right? Like the creation account, the crucifixion and the res- bur- death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, the, the the book of Revelation and all its unique strangeness. Um, and, and you have this, this sense of the Bible, right? You, you see the whole, the flow, right? God creates a world and it's good, but sin kind of wrecks everything, so God provides a savior, and then we're like looking forward to like this final redemption and restoration. You, you've heard this, but I want you to like think about it in terms of hospitality right now. What happened in Genesis 1 and 2? And, and, and here's the thing, Write this down or take, you know, do this this week if you can. Read Genesis 1 and 2 from the lens of hospitality. Here's God, right? He speaks into existence the universe. He creates this planet. And why do you even have to use a planet? He couldn't even create something else, right? Anyway, so he's creating this magnificent stuff. He starts creating animals and birds and fish and stars. And he's making this marvelous wonders. And, like, he didn't just make one type of bird. He made thousands of types of birds. And not just one type of fish, but tons of different types of fish. He made, like, hyenas, which are, like, crazy awesome. And I I love hyenas. But, like, he made all these amazing animals. And then he says, welcome. He makes humans. And he says, welcome. I'm giving this to you. He creates a space, and he welcomes us into it. Out of nothing, he speaks Adam into life. 
And he says, this garden, this planet, it's for you. You can rule over it. Have dominion over, over this, this planet. What? This should, like, blow our minds. He's, he's actually just, he creates this place, and he loves us so much. And he says, I want to show you how amazing I am, and I want to show you how amazing my creation can be. And you can enjoy this. It's wonderful. Welcome. You're welcome into this planet. You know, we don't, we don't even think about this stuff anymore, right? From this angle, Genesis 1 and 2, read over that. But, but then we know the story, right? Adam sins, the curse is placed upon creation. This environment that we were once welcomed into is, is no longer perfect as it should have been. And we're in need of a savior. And we now are, and we sang it in the song, now we're orphans. But Christ comes and through his sacrifice does a second act of extreme hospitality. As he gives his life, the result of his death and resurrection is now that you're welcomed in. So now Christ is saying, hey, you were not part of my family. You were running away. You were the prodigal son. You were running away but I want you back, and I'm inviting you back in to the family. So I would encourage you, uh, in Ephesians 1, 2 to 14, go home and read this, too. I'm giving you guys homework. Again, I said this isn't the typical sermon. This is a teaching time. You should be equipped, and you should go home and, like, study this. And if you disagree with something I'm saying, good because it means you're thinking on your own, and that means you should go study it out for your own, and then, like, call me up and, and rebuke me um, <laughs> if I need it. No, but, like, really, take this stuff. Don't, don't just accept what you hear. Study to see if it's true. So Ephesians 1, 2 to 14, you know, we see this, in, this incredible, oh, my goodness, if you could just grasp Ephesians 1, 2 to 14, your whole life would be changed. If you could just grasp how powerful this is, you would not live the typical way that you're living. And that goes for all of us. The more we grasp it, the more we will be changed. But in that passage, it says, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. So it means beforehand, he had this plan before we were even around that he knew that those who would not be in his family would be welcomed in. And so he's saying, welcome in. You're adopted. I will adopt you back. Read through the prophets, right? Read through Ezekiel. Ezekiel's got some brutal, brutal imagery. It's not family-friendly. It's not, it's not safe to read in Sunday school. It's, Ezekiel's a rough book. I mean, I'm shocked it's in the Bible, some of the stuff that's in there. But you, you unpack Ezekiel, and God is saying to Israel, he's like, hey, you were my bride, and then you, you were unfaithful, but I'm welcoming you back. Everyone thinks the Old Testament's all like the angry God. But when you read Ezekiel, you read, I, I would encourage you, read Hosea, uh, read Zephaniah, read Habakkuk. This God, is, he's not angry, he's loving and he's, he's, his heart is broken for a people that are running away from him. And he is saying, please come back. Be in my family again. This is a God who loves and welcomes us back. 
This is hospitality. He's saying, please, come back in. Be with me. Romans 8 also, uh, it, it mentions that we are given the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So it, this idea, we cry out, Father, we need you, Daddy. But we have the right to do that because he's invited us in. He's, he's been willing to say, I will be a good, wonderful father to you. He didn't have to say that, but he did out of his goodness and grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, uh, Therefore we can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in a time of need. So we don't have a right to go into this like, extremely amazing, glorious king throne room, right? Like we're entering, we don't have that right on our own accord, but he says, I will invite you in through the power of Jesus Christ on you, I'm inviting you in. Come into my presence. Do you need help? Are you, and this is for you right now. Message aside, for those of you sitting here, like, do you need help? Do you need grace? Do you need mercy? Is your life falling apart? Do you, are you in a horrific place? He says you can come into the throne room to receive that grace in a time of need. Receive it. Go to him. Receive it. He's welcoming you in. He's saying where you are is not good enough. I want you to come and be with me. Finally, I, I want to encourage you to, to think through um, Revelation. Read through Revelation 21 and 22. You know, if you've had some, a friend who's passed away recently, uh, meditate on these passages, right? Um, un, unpack them in your life. This, the, uh, Revelation 21 and 22 describe the new heavens and the new earth. It describes... Uh, what the eternal state will look like. And, you know, there's a lot of debate. People are like, well, maybe it means this or that. Forget the debates. Just go there and read that passage and let it wash over you. Let it encourage you with the hope that there's something glorious ahead. God is preparing this incredible kingdom, this eternal place of, of, of beauty and, and perfection. And, and take the things that you love the most and multiply it by infinity. And you have God in perfection and there's no sin and there's, there's nothing wrong. And in this, this glorious place, he didn't have to welcome us into it, but he's eternally welcoming us into the kingdom. He's eternally welcoming us into heaven, into this perfect place. That's called permanent hospitality. So, I mean, man, he... He laid down the foundations of the earth as an act of hospitality. He gave up his only son to hospitably welcome us into the family. And we are anticipating an eternal, permanent place of, of welcome. Okay, so it's pretty clear. There's our little biblical theology, hospitality. It's pretty big in the Bible, right? So how do you live it? I love the theory, but I really love the application, some of the practical ways. And let me just say it again. You can't do this unless his grace is at work in you. But one way is to think about how do I welcome someone into my church? You were welcoming to me this morning. Thank you. But how do you welcome someone into your church? But don't get hung up on just the church. Take it to the next level. 
How can I welcome somebody into my house? What can I do? We know people, uh, a friend of mine, he has been uh, sort of like in isolation, and he, he took the first step. He said, I'm afraid to welcome people into my place. It's messy. It's not the best place. I'm, he's kind of in a lower socioeconomic sort of situation, and he's like, oh, I think people are going to think I'm poor or whatever. And I was like, well, just, just start reaching out in love. So he started welcoming people in, just one at a time. This is a baby step, just a baby step. Just take a baby step. He welcomed one person in. Um, and afterwards, he was going on. It was, he couldn't stop talking. He's like, dude, it changed my mind. It changed my life. Like, like, suddenly what was mine was now something I could give. And I realized this wasn't mine to begin with. My, my, my space didn't belong to me. It belonged to the Lord, and he's entrusted it with me, and now I'm going to welcome someone else in. Oh, and there's dirt on the person's shoes when they come into my place, and it kind of messed up my carpet, but, but I love them in a way that I, I, I had to sacrifice a little bit, right? Even, uh, so, so like, I'm going to encourage you, welcome someone into your home. Be willing to sacrifice for them. Take it further, though. Welcome someone into your life. I, I work with a lot of homeless people. They're my friends. Some of them are not nice friends. Some of them are really nice friends. And most people outside of the city come in and say, let's, like, give some food and let's do some sort of, like, event that's going to, like, help them. And, it, and it's nice and it really blesses them. But unfortunately, it's easy to stand behind a line of people and give out food without building any relationship. It's scary to build a relationship. It's scary to... And uh, Caitlin, thank you for your example of being hospitable to to people in Haiti, right? Like, you're being hospitable to the, these women who are of ill repute, these women that people would neglect. Keep it up. Those little acts of hospitality are huge. We, we've, we've welcomed in uh, some, some women in, in Richmond who are involved in prostitution, and, and, and we've seen the, the look on their faces when they're suddenly being loved with Christ-likeness. Right now, my wife isn't here because she's welcoming people into her life. She's, she's with people that don't know Jesus. She would love to be here, but, but she's welcoming people into her life. She's living out hospitality, and she's serving them. So welcome people into your church. Welcome people into your house. Welcome people into your life. And maybe you're like, I can't do that. That's, that's really hard for me. Um, well, that's okay. Find someone who does do it, right? Find someone in the church that is a body. We work in, in teamwork. Find someone here who's already living out hospitality, and then go follow them and watch them. Learn from them. Help them. Support them. And maybe start to do it yourself at some point. Bring someone along. We say that in, in our missional community all, all the time. Bring someone along. Whatever you're doing, don't do it on your own. Bring someone along. We're the, we're the body of Christ. We're meant to be together. And so if, if you're struggling, I don't know how to serve. I don't know how to really take someone into my house that makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't even have time to do it. Follow someone else who, who's doing it. And if you don't know someone, talk, talk to Arthur or, or Paul or Noah. Uh, talk to Aaron. I'm sure they can, like, direct you to someone that's doing it. Bring someone along. I just want to, again, really make this clear. And I, I have to give the bad news real quick. Um, all this that I'm saying, it sounds good. 
It's stuff you can do. There's some practical tips. But the problem is you can't do it. So you're like, okay, you can't do it. Maybe he should just leave, right? right. Um, you can't. We can't actually do this. We can't be perfectly hospitable. We can't perfectly welcome people in. It's not in our own abilities. We need to rely on Christ. We need a Savior. The bad news is you just can't measure up. You can't possibly uh, be hospitable enough to, to please the perfect standard. That's bad news. All right, you can't do it. But the good news is there's a Savior. And because of what he did, you can. Because of what he's accomplished on our behalf, we can live into this. We can grow in this. We can go into different environments, whether it's work or school or or neighborhoods. Um, And I wrote some of these things down. These are the practical things, right? Uh, Epiphany. Hyde Park. Small groups. Your small group can be hospitable. Just bring bring in one person who doesn't know Jesus. Epiphany. What a way to show hospitality to, to guys who are, maybe they're in situations because their lives haven't, they, they've done some bad things, but they've also probably never really been shown true love. And you can go be a part of that. You're, this thing at Hyde, Hyde Park, whoa, what an opportunity. Hospitality, right? You're going to be hosting some of these things for kids. You are not without ways to apply this. You're not without an excuse, right? <laughs> um, so let me exhort you. You can't do it on your own. You've got to trust in Christ. Get plugged into the church here. Receive the help to live out this lifestyle of hospitality as mission. I'm doing it, and I'm learning as I go. I don't have it all figured out, and I'm still depending on Christ every day. So I encourage you, take these steps. Let's just go to the Lord right now about this. Father, we are helpless. But you are so powerful and you're so strong. Do your work in us. Transform us. Lord, I pray that there will be seeds planted in the hearts of of people here. Equip us. Remind us that we can do this on your power, on your strength, because of Jesus Because of what the Holy Spirit has done, we can go out and love the unlovable. And we can do it together with one another. So strengthen this church and multiply their impact on these neighborhoods, on their friends. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jeremy, thank you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's encouraging, and uh, just uh, thank you guys. Uh, I'm going to ask Arthur and Charlotte if you guys would come up here and, and stand. We always give uh, the opportunity for folks, if, if you're struggling this morning, if you need prayer uh, for anything going on in your life right now, we want to offer that to you, and Arthur and Charlotte would love to pray with you. Kaylin, come on up here with them if you want to. I Just, just put her on the spot there. She's <laughs> yeah. Um, she'll, she'll even pray for you in Creole if you want, so she can do that. Uh, you guys stand over here, and then, and then if you just, man, if you just want to know more about what it means to place your faith and trust in Jesus and uh, for salvation, I would love to talk with you about that and, uh, and share with you. And so, uh, again, thank you guys.
and uh, yeah, go ahead.